Welcome back to the Bash Mania podcast. Or if this is your first time here, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you do, be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify or head over to YouTube and Rockfin and subscribe there and catch the video version of the podcast. Before we dive into today's show and our conversation with our guest, Yanni Diakmahalis, 2022 World Silver Medalist, this podcast is brought to you by your great friends at Attack, A-T-A-C. Attack is an app for athletes. It's an AI strength and conditioning coach, nutritionist, mentality mentor, all in one great app. And a greatly designed app, I may say, is for those who know me, know I own a marketing agency with a lot of websites. We design a lot of things, and I appreciate a good user interface, and I appreciate a cleanly designed app. And that's what Attack is. But Attack is an app designed to help you level up your age, your goals, your program. It's like having a personal trainer in your pocket. If you want this in your pocket like I do, I'm going to start using it pretty aggressively. Download the Attack app today, available in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. And I say aggressively because I just told my wife yesterday I want to get in better shape, get back to how I felt 10 years ago. So I'm really excited to take an even deeper dive into this Attack app and see what it can do for me as I start this process of really trying to get in shape. So if you want to join me or if you want to compete with me, let me know, tweet me, but download the app. Let's all level up together. It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. We are back. Yanni D back on the show. How are you, man? I'm good. Good. Glad to be back. I always love having you on because you're one of the guests that I have such a good relationship with that it's not, you know, there's going to be a lot of good substance. It's how much can you pull out in, in a short episode of a podcast with 30, 45 minutes. And I know there's there's no shortage of topics. Some kids want to just answer questions and, you know, it's a podcast interview. You love wrestling, so I always love having you on. And it's been an interesting couple of weeks for you. I want to kind of go through it all. Let's start with going into the World Championships. You posted on Instagram, I think the day before, about all you heard all summer was about the metal drought. And how we, you know, haven't medaled since 2006 when Bill Zadick got a medal, and you, you had literally put. Let me read it. It was a good post. All summer I've been hearing about the metal drought and how good this guy or that guy is. All I know is that regardless of what happens tomorrow, I'm proud of my wrestling and my warrior spirit will be on full display for the world to see. Let's do it. Also, I guess question one: What is an indomitable human spirit? Um, this is like, cause that, that was the hashtag. Sorry. That yeah. ended with that. Hashtag. No, it's, it's a funny. So like me and my brother, this is going to show how much of a little kid I am. Like <laughs> my brother and I will like send each other videos on like Instagram or like TikTok is one of them. And yeah. there's a TikTok trend about like the indomitable human spirit. And it's all these like videos or pictures of these people doing like these really amazing feats. And a lot of them are like these physical feats. Like it'll be, yeah you know, a guy breaking a world record in something or winning a gold medal in something. And we're like, send them to each other. Or I'll see them. And they're always like, it's always like, you know, the, 
cruelty of the universe or the and it just like basically the highlight of it is like <laughs> it's a statistical anomaly to be great yeah. but like people are great through spirit and i think like it's a goofy way to get there but it lines up with a lot of things that i, I read about or think about it's just like you know what wrestling is hard it's really hard and it requires a lot of heart and grit and determination all that stuff and I feel like, you know, the whole thing with, you know, your spirit or whatever is it's like, it's got to come from within you. It can't be externally driven from your coaches, from, you know, desiring a medal, anything like that. It has to be, you know, a feat that you want for yourself. And heading into the world championships, how much of your focus was on these different elements where it's you wanting to be a world champion, whether it's your performance last year, whether it's ending a medal drought, how were you focusing on these different aspects? You know, that was one thing that kind of an up and down. So I really focused on how I was wrestling. So I, after final X, I, I wouldn't say I wrestled well, but I didn't wrestle horribly. I was like, all right, you know, I'm wrestling. All right. I got time. You know, I'm not, I knew I wasn't ready to win at that point, but it was kind of like, well, that's what the next three months are for. Get you ready. And then in Tunisia, I wrestled poorly. I was really disappointed in myself and there were some external factors. You know, I was kind of at the end of a training cycle. So what I didn't understand in the moment was, you know, we're not peaking for the whatever tournament in Tunisia. Yeah. So, and that's not an excuse for why I wrestled bad, but I was a little bit like, I felt, I felt this need to go back to the drawing board. Like, all right, what clearly what I'm doing isn't working. I maybe I've gone backwards. And that's where, you know, Frank Crowley and Mike Gray, like real man, they're like, listen, you're right where you need to be. You didn't wrestle well, but we didn't plan on you wrestling well. You know, you only need to be the best guy in the world for two days, not the yeah. whole year. So don't worry about that. And I think that that, you know, gave me some perspective where it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't have to be, not every day needs to be my best day. It's just the days that I need to be on my best need to be my best, you know, so. Yeah. I think because of that, to make a long story short, we made it really about my performance, my skill, my, not the outcome, but my, you know, display yep. more than quantifiable things like a, like a medal or, you know, the drought or what Bill Zadek did, you know, 16 years ago or whatever. Yeah. And it's funny too, you say that because we'll talk in a little bit about peaking different times and the Snyder had you live back and forth and how important it is to win certain events. Um, but heading into this tournament, you know, I, I hopped on a podcast with Willie earlier and I guess my audio was terrible. Sorry guys. I think it was on Willie's end that there was an echo because the way I'm signing sounding now is how everything was set up. So I don't know. But anyways, when I was on with Willie earlier, we were talking about 65 and I was curious on Willie's perspective and obviously yours on when you see your draw how much are you going through that you know you see the guy you lost to last year early on how much does that factor in like psychologically when you when you look at those kinds of things so this is a uh funny story so there's like a people you know i sent that i send the draw to as soon as i get it i sent it to yeah. mike and frank but they had probably already seen it i sent it to my dad i sent it to my mom i sent it to my girlfriend and i I was genuinely excited. I was like, let's go. I, I wanted that match. I wanted, I did like, did it, did it need to be first round? 
that's not what I cared for, but I wanted to wrestle Tavani. And I feel like that was a huge thing that we addressed was wrestling those guys who are fine with just beating you one zero. And yep. not like he, it's not like he's stalling. He's just not going to take any risk. Yep. So I think that emotionally, like I really, I wanted that. I wanted that match. I wanted to show myself like, all right, what we've been doing is right. It's been working, you know? So that was a big thing for me, but just like a funny side note, you're talking about how you reacted. I remember like I texted my dad and he was just like, okay, well, let's do it. And I, he, he gets nervous. He's, you know, my parents get so nervous, but I remember when I showed my girlfriend, she texts me back. She's like, I'm sure you're excited, but I, I just wish that wasn't what was happening. She was like <laughs> so nervous. She's like, I'm not even going to sleep now. And it was like days before, like everyone, you know what I mean? But I, I felt really good about it, to be honest. I felt good. And I, I felt like I was prepared for that match. You know, we spent a good part of that, you know, from October when he beat me until after final X, just focusing on, all right, what am I going to do against the guy who's not doing anything? How do I get him put on the clock? How do I create offense? How do I shut him down? You know, more than he's shutting me down and stuff like that. Because if you go back and look at the match that he beat me in Oslo, it's all off my actions, which means he still didn't really do anything. He's just capitalizing yeah. on mistakes. So it was like, all right, clearly there's a lot of holes in my game. So how can we cut those holes out? Which it's crazy because every wrestler I talked to, like I remember before David wrestled Yazdani in 2018, I remember how excited he was for drawing Yazdani right out of the gate. There's like this where from the fans perspective, it's like, oh, this is the finals match or oh, they wrestled tough last year. And it's crazy how you guys competing like want that. And I imagine you beat them for nothing. And you you can see your excitement when you win different matches where your mind is kind of going. And you could tell like that the one of the perks to that is that was also momentum. I mean, that guy was clearly better than um forgot who you're Russell next Dubov. Yeah. yeah, like and, and you went out and tacked him 10 nothing, but like that was a tough draw, but it d tougher, but that it's does give you that momentum. Yeah. Do you feel that rolling after? Yeah, I do. I think historically, I'm the kind of guy who wrestles better as the tournament goes. You know, each match yep. gets a little better than the last. And that's a good and a bad thing. It's a bad thing because it means my first matches aren't always great compared to yep. later in the weekend. But that was another thing. Like Frank, Frank's really good about understanding because he he does a lot of the freestyle stuff with us. He's good about understanding, you know, the body and you know the mind, how those things work with each other, and how yeah. what's going to make you perform best. So we spent a lot of time working on my first match. Like even in practice, when we do match day, like he would tell me, make sure this match is your best match that you wrestled today, which is contradictory to how we train. And that's probably part of the reason why I get better as the tournament goes on because we as Americans are like, you know, your last match is your best match, finish strong. And some of that's rooted in our, you know, we're a conditioning country. But we spent a lot of time with me focusing on being ready out the gate, you know, having my first minute be really strong, stuff like that. Because, you know, even if you look at matches that I win, I give up the first score a lot. And that's not a function of them getting tired. It's me starting slow a lot of times. You also go right into these scrambles. That's like a challenge within 30 seconds. Like, right, so, 
<laughs> and sometimes, you know, um, and that was another thing kind of talking about Tavani is it's like a lot of times I force wrestling, which is good, but you don't always need to, you don't always need to do that because, you know, sometimes you, sometimes it backfires on you. Yeah. And, and I guess at this point, we might as well just go through the bracket because we're already to the quarters. You have Bajrang and that that's a tough quarter. You know, Bajrang is great. And I don't know what it was, but whenever there's two guys, like you, you see a Yanni Bajrang match, not many people expect a 10-0 like that. Most people are expecting, and it doesn't matter how high on you or how high on Bajrang somebody is, you're you're expecting a closer match, like your match at Beat the Streets. What was your takeaway on that match? I mean, you just demolished him. And I loved your post, like, Look at thank you. Like you made me like better. Like you made me have to dig deeper and get better. What was your takeaway on that match? You know, I feel like my style, the way that I wrestle, does well against guys like Bajrang because he he's pretty lead leg heavy, kind of leaves his foot out there. I I shoot sometimes too much, but on a guy like that, it doesn't backfire the same way as it might with someone else. So kind of, you know, the first two. Like, like those short guys, you got to be very stuck tight to the game plan and maybe more with Tivani and then Dubov, but guy like that, you got to be very tight. You know, all right, hey, we're very low risk, very hard hand fight, a lot of fakes, a lot of pulls. And, you know, it might be one or two really good shots that win you the match. Yep. Guy like Bajrang, it was like, hey, he's going to get in there and mix it up. So be ready to wrestle super hard and get in there and mix it up. You know what I mean? And I think I think it, it allowed me to go back to some of my old habits that maybe got me in trouble in other matches, but because I had the motor for it and the gas tank for it, I, I, I felt comfortable, you know, getting into a dogfight, getting into a shootout a little bit. Yeah. And when, what was your, I don't know how much time you're thinking about these things, but when the match is over and you tech them and you go back in the hallway in the workout area or whatever, what's your thought? Like I just tech this kid who's absolutely incredible. It kind of was just like on to the next, you know, I, yeah. I, I really try to not ride that wave. And sometimes you get kind of sucked into it, but I really try not to, because that's what wears you out is it's like, because at the end of the day, a match is a match. It's 10 minutes as hard as you can go four times. It's 40 minutes. Right. But what you don't want to do is turn that into four hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause then you go back to the hotel and you're like, man, I'm so good. I'm so great. Or it's like, oh, this next guy, what's going to happen here? What happens if I do this? You know, it's so I really tried, you know, that match happened on the walk back. Mike and I talked about what I need to work on. That was a big thing. This was kind of what happened every match. I wrestle my match. It's about a three minute walk to get back to where we sit. We spend a minute talking about, hey, here's what you did well. The rest of the walk, we talk about what I need to work on. Hey, you know, you did this really well. Okay, this is what you didn't do well. Got to fix that for the next one. And then by the time we get back to the little warm-up area, it's like, hey, you got this guy next. Here's what we're thinking. Okay, good. You go back and then you relax. So it's eight minutes, 10 minutes max of focusing on what happened, what needs to change, and what's going to happen next. And then you relax. You know what I mean? You kind of unwind. So I just took that. Going into the semis too was just that little process. Maybe we spent a little longer focusing on, you know, what's going to happen in this next match because we had time. Yeah. But I really try to not get caught up in those moments just because they are so big and 
you're so invested that it's easy to like get sucked into those. What's the balance like of what you did good and wrong when like your round of 16 and quarterfinals was both a 10 tech? How much of a balance there is things you do wrong when, and I know great coaches and I've heard them in corners of like guys after attack. And it's like, you didn't do this. You did this. You know what I mean? Like I've heard that, but like, what's that balance like for you or Gray's like pointing out things you did wrong after like two straight tacks. You know, we, we might cause it like the compliment sandwich. So it'll be like, Hey, you know, single leg looked great. You shot too much. You know, you're rushing things, but you know, you didn't get tired. So that's great. And yeah. my takeaway from that is I'm shooting too much. Yeah. But that delivery, it's different. There's a difference between, you know, today when I come to practice, Mike might be like, listen, you're shooting too much and your elbows are out and your shot recovery needs work, all these things. But that's because my ego can take a hit right now. I'm not, I'm not in the middle of the tournament, but yeah. When I'm walking off the quarterfinals, getting ready for the semis, it's like cushion that blow a little bit, keep your confidence up, but make sure that I'm aware of what needs to change so that it's not a lingering thing. And it's like one of those things where in the moment, do I process all that? No, but I know to really focus on the part that needs to fix. And I understand that, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it needs to get taken care of. Heading into the semis, you did have more time to think about it. And it was an interesting match. I mean, Cornell Rutgers in Serbia. Like, it's funny how that played out. How much going into that match were you thinking about either a specific game plan for Rivera or the thoughts of win this and your medalist? What's that balance like heading to the semis? The medal thing was still not in my mind. You know, I, it's like a cliche, but it's true. Like, I, I was not going, I wasn't competing to end the medal drought. I wanted to win. You know yeah. what I mean? The, the medal drought is like, yeah, it's great. But that's a fan bad. thing too. Like that's American fans. That yeah, to me, that's like what that is. Yeah. Because I haven't been competing for 16 years. So I've not, I, my medal yep. drought is one, one tournament. I've failed. Yeah. Medal. So it's, and, and I'm not even thinking about that. I just think it's easy to get caught up in the media in the United States because there's so much of it. Yeah. If, you, if you open your phone for a second, you're getting all this content information and articles and videos. And this guy comments this on your Instagram and this guy tweets this at you. You know what I mean? So it's easy to get caught up in that stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm at a wrestling tournament. I want to win the tournament. I don't care about the metal drought. And that doesn't mean that I'm not proud of it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, that's not, a, it's far from a priority. You know what I mean? But going into that match, it was again, kind of like, hey, here's what he's going to do here's what you need to do, like, go, go, go get them. You know what I mean? Because historically, you know, at times I've been known to overanalyze things a little bit. So we try to break it up into, you know, two to four things you want. Hey, we want you to do this and this, he's going to try to do this. So when he does that, do this, that's it. Go rush it. You know what I mean? And I think that that's because inherently I'm going to do a lot of that processing as the match goes. But it's important still that someone tells it tells me, but we don't need to make like a whole game plan. Yeah. I mean, so was the excitement like it's funny because I love when you show emotion because you are so focused on whatever the final goal is. But after that semis match, USA Wrestling put out that little video 
and we saw some like a small glimpse of the Yanni, the excitement, the tongue came out. There was some excitement. Was that more? I'm in the finals. I have that shot at gold. Like what, what exactly is that excitement for? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It was like, there's well, obviously a million reasons to be excited. Yeah. It I'm was just like uh, the tech fall kind of gets you fired up. And then it's like, all right, I'm, I'm there. I'm one match yeah. away. I'm, I'm there. You know what I mean? And, and even still, you know, it's hard to look back on it and know exactly what I was thinking, but right now thinking about it, it's like, I'm, I'm right there. I'm one match yep. away. You know, I'm, I'm six minutes from achieving this really, really cool thing. I'm right there instead of, because it's you play the game with yourself where it's like, all right, a couple matches to go, a couple matches to go. Now, if, whether it's five or two, you're saying, all right, a couple more matches. But when it's one match, it's like, all right, you know, get your weight off, get ready to go, whatever, and then just lay it all out there. Whether you win yeah. or lose is all you got. So it's yeah. kind of, that finality is exciting. And now the finals match, Willie and I were talking today, and if I'm not mistaken, is that your first time wrestling an Iranian overseas? It's my first time wrestling an Iranian ever. Yeah. That's what I thought. And I'm like, that's you're such like an international like man of study. Like you love international. You can break down and you know how to pronounce every country's like the wrestlers from every country. You can pronounce their names like you can almost speak their freaking language at this point. But you've never wrestled an Iranian. What was that like heading into the finals? You know, it was very different because if you asked me, hey, tell me about that Iranian. I'd say, well, he wrestles with his hands on the mat and he kind of jumps into an underhook. He hits a whip over. And then if he covers your head, he runs behind and he's really long. But those are things that I could use to describe a lot of people. There's a feel that he has that's different that makes him, you know, he won the world championships and makes him who he is. But, but, you know, I, I needed to feel that. Um, I didn't, I had a good first period and he made some adapt adaptations in the second period that I didn't respond to well. And it threw me off a little bit. It did. Um, you know, he just, when it came down to it, we were probably 50, 50 in the first period. He made some good changes that I didn't respond to. And that was a difference maker because he scored two takedowns in that period. And I think, you know, I just, just need to get better in that position. It's going to be something, He's young, so it's going to be a relevant thing for me for the rest of my wrestling career. Yeah. I'm 29 years old, trying to make the Olympic, trying to win a gold medal in LA. He will be 28 or whatever, trying to win also. So he's going to be around for a while. And uh, I got to figure that out. We have the resources to. And now that I felt it, I, I feel more confident recognizing what I need to do. It's just, you know, I didn't make the adjustments that I needed to make in the moment. How much of you, when you have a, a match like that, I'm assuming you want to rematch the next day. Like, especially knowing you. Like, you, if somebody beats you, I imagine if they gave you the opportunity, you would have wrestled them again. Maybe not even for a medal. Just like, hey, just, let's just let's run it back right now. In the back of the gym. Nothing on the line. Let's just wrestle again. I think you would take that 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. How much of that is you now? Like you mentioned on Instagram, I think yesterday or in a post recently about, you know, already looking forward to the World Cup to have a shot at him. 
how much of that is you wanting to wrestle him again and, and getting a feel versus, you know, saying, I'm, I'm confident I can beat him, especially because you're talking about earlier peaking for world championships. And I'm curious your perspective on wrestling him at a World Cup versus at a World Championships and if it means the same to you. So the best way I can, you know, word that is if I had to pick, I'd rather lose at the World Cup and win the World Championships, right? Yep. But it, it felt like one of those things, you know, like in Tunisia, I can say, well, I didn't wrestle well. And not like that's an excuse, but that's why what happened happened. What's unfortunate is I was wrestling well, and he kind of, you know, if you asked my, my coaches, they might be like, well, you didn't wrestle great in the second period. But it's not like I wrestled bad. It was like he took me out of the match. You know what I mean? It was his good wrestling that caused me to wrestle poorly, which is super frustrating to accept. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But because of that, like that feeling sucks a lot. I want to, I, I want to know that I'm working on these things because in reality, if we don't wrestle a world cup and I make the team, I'm not going to wrestle them again to the world championships next year. So at least if we wrestle at world cup, I want to know that I'm moving in the right direction. So for the next yep. two and a half months, while I'm working on all these things for a guy who wrestles like that, when we wrestle, even if I lose again, I want to know that I'm moving in the right direction so that when the world championships come, I'll be ready. So it's not like I need to beat him. I need to know that I'm a, a better wrestler. You know what I mean? Because what you want to do is win the world championships, is what you're saying. The, the end goal is to know that you're the better wrestler to win the world championship. I, yeah, my goal is to be a really good wrestler. I want to be really good. Even if. Well, even you if are I'm, really good. <laughs> Let's, I mean, you just wrestled in the finals of the world championships. You're a really good wrestler, but you didn't. You know. But it's like, even if I never, I don't even want to say it, but you know what I'm saying. Even yep. if I never accomplished that goal of winning, I just want to know that I'm moving in the right direction. Yep, because it makes sense. There's no Americans who can who do that. You know, I'm not going to wrestle. And I, it's not like I can be like, hey, you know, Vito Arusha, can you do this field? Because that guy's been doing it since he was five years old. So Vito doing it for 30 minutes is not going to be the same. And like, yep. that's a, clearly a lingering hole because he, we spent the whole match in that position. Is that kind of what you meant? I love your post yesterday. You posted a photo of you guys wrestling. You said what I'd give to field this again, the highest form of competition I've ever experienced, like, a true battle. Yeah, because it was like he was wrestling really well, wrestling really hard. I wrestled well. I wrestled really hard and he just like beat me. He did. But it's like we, that was as pure competition as it felt like. I mean, there were some not pure things, but, <laughs> but it's like laying on the line. It's the biggest stage I can possibly ask for. His country is hating on me the whole weekend. My country is probably hating on him the whole weekend. And it was like this collision and he, he beat me. So I can't imagine how good that felt. What was it like it's after like, like metal stand and stuff like that? Like, is there that like, it, like to me watching it, it seems like everybody kind of like felt like, wow, a rivalry is being born. Like that's what it felt like watching. I mean, he was, he was very respectful. Um, his English is like 
fine, but not great. So we didn't really say much. It's not yeah. like, not like anyone's in a mood for talking. Yeah. But no, I mean, there's, it's not like he's trying to fight me in the back room, but <laughs> I definitely like, we had this understanding that it's like, all right, I'm going to wrestle that kid at least one more time yeah, and possibly seven or eight more times. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's, uh, I'm not going to call it a rivalry because I'm on one, but I definitely plan on wrestling him more. And if I want to reach that goal of being a great wrestler, I need to be able to address what he's doing and create a solution for myself. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that's a good mindset from the outside looking in, you know, Bills took a devastating loss yesterday, and Von Miller said that loss was the medicine we needed. And I hate the loss, but I understand what he's saying with like the medicine. And I'm curious for you because, you know, the end of that post I just read was can't wait for the World Cup. The interesting thing about you is that you are not just a full time senior level guy, you also have a college season <laughs> coming up, which is crazy because it's like, you're already looking forward to the World Cup in December 10th and 11th, I think it is. And here, like, you're, if anybody's wondering, like, if Yanni's wrestling the World Cup, like, he just gave you the answer. But you still have to prepare for a college season. Have you started? I, I know we just came off the World Championships a week and a half ago, so it hasn't been that long. Have you started that focus? And what's that drive like when you've... You, you want to be a world champion. That's your number one goal. You've accomplished being an NCAA champion. You've done it three times, three times. What's that drive like when you have to focus on something that I know means a lot to you, but you have this other lingering goal that you're also going to be working towards. So kind of the way, and this has kind of been a theme of what I've been saying a little bit is it's like the, by, by getting ready to be the best wrestler in the world that will help me be the best wrestler in the NCAA. So, you know, by cleaning up all my neutral stuff, by making my finishes really good, by making my hand fighting, you know, solid, that's going to translate to both styles. And then it's like, well, make sure you can get out in 10 seconds and make sure you can hold the guy down for a minute. Right. Yep. And those things, you know, I'm going to put time into those. I'm going to put effort into those. That's not, it's not like I'm not going to, but yeah. just talking about that kind of transition that's going on, you know, by training to be the guy who might be the best wrestler in the world in my weight class, it's going to help me get ready to be the college wrestlers also, because it's going to make my hand fighting better. It means I need to finish cleaner. My shots need to get better and my setups and, counter offense, reattacks, all these things, right? So it's going to translate. It's not like those skills are going for not in either direction. But I just need to, well, during the season, make sure that my folk style scrambling, my rat wrestling are solid, you know, put some time in on those and then keep working because basically what I'm saying is one goal will feed the other. Yep. And when you've had the level of success you have on the college scene especially – do you look at the season and just have the expectation for yourself of just like sheer and utter dominance? Like my buddy Josiah at Fanco put out a video that I haven't watched yet, but it was along the lines of like, what are the odds Yanni will even lose a match this year? Like the expectation fans have 
for you, the expectation I'm sure you have on yourself is a level of like, at this point, you don't just want to win. You're, you're looking towards things like you just described, like getting better so that I can go on and be a world champion. How much of that expectation for yourself is, is that bar is set so high? You know, that's a dangerous thing. Those kinds of things. Yep. Because it's like, it's a bad example, but, you know, pr like pride is a great setup to a downfall, having great pride. Yep. And I, I think things like legacy, because that's kind of what you're describing. It's like, yeah. like you leave behind. I think that is fun things for fans to discuss. And I think it's a, huge trap for people that are working on them because you make it about something that's not what it is because at the end of the day i'm a wrestler i love wrestling i want to be great at it and stuff like talking about my legacy in college or what i'm going to leave behind is great and i want it to be looked at positively but i want to do that by being myself and hopefully I'm a good person, a good wrestler. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think that it's a trap. I think it's a trap to talk about, well, you know, I'm, I want to go undefeated and I want to pin everybody because yeah, like I would want to do that every year. That would be awesome. Regardless of how many NCAA titles I am have, or, you know, if I was third string heavyweight no chance of starting and you said hey what would you want to do this year i'd say well i want to win all my matches and i want to dominate because it's yeah. like yeah i would love that but i'm not going to i'm not going to set myself up for failure by making it seem like it's going to be easy because yeah. it's not these guys are very good the guy who takes second in the ncaa tournament is a very good wrestler yep. so it's a trap to be like well I'm going to pin that guy because that's how good I am. Cause that's not, it's not fair, not fair to him to say that I'm just going to roll him up. Like he's not a good wrestler. And it's not fair to me to put myself in a position where I can take a guy down a hundred times and don't pin him. And then it's like, I lost for some reason. Yeah. So I just want it to be about the wrestling. I want to wrestle really well. If wrestling really well and the best that I can do causes me to pin every single guy that I wrestle, that would be awesome. If it doesn't, and I lose, then so be it. But I just want to wrestle well. I love, I listened to the podcast you and Burroughs did in Serbia, which was fantastic. I texted him like, Jordan, you need to do this every freaking week. You have such a yeah, talent for it. One of the things you said that I love, and by the way, if you go to Jordan Burroughs' YouTube. It's his last video. Him and Yanni did a 30-minute podcast in Serbia. It was great. One of the things you said that got you into wrestling early was not only the fun you're having, but the competitiveness and to the competitiveness side of it, Hodge trophy this year, you know, last year it was you, Spencer Gable and Nick as the finalist. Nick's gone. Gable's gone. It's going to be you and Spencer as the returning Hodge finalist. And then whoever just, you know, has, has a season. Does that, fire you up a bit the competitiveness of winning a Hodge at all you know it's it's uh it's fun it's one of those things that like that's a really that's a really cool honor to receive the Hodge yeah. but again 
you know, at, they're boring answers that I'm giving you, but it's just, I'm going to start with the Wisconsin duel, wrestling Austin Gomez, and go from there. I take him down, double arm bar him and pin him, like that would be sweet. But again, it's just like, let's see where it gets. Is that your first match this year? That's our home opener. We're hosting. Oh, that's awesome. First match of the year. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, I guess what I mean too is like, when you I think. I want the Hodge. I want the Hodge because. Clip it. It's Clip better. it. <laughs> I want the Hodge because it's better than not having it. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit there and throw a tantrum if Spencer gets the Hodge over me because like, that's not what I'm doing it for. That's like cherry on top. That's a good yeah. way to say it. It's cherry on top kind of yeah. stuff. I mean, I'm definitely going to clip that. And tomorrow that's going to be on Instagram. It's going to be me going, I want the Hodge. <laughs> but I guess like my question is, because I know how I am. I am very goal driven where if I want something specifically business related, putting a pool in, whatever it is, I need the, those goals because I don't stay motivated just for the sake of it. I need specific goals. So like for you, is it the difference of trying to get a pin? trying to get something because you know, or is it just the cherry on top where it's like, Hey, I happen to get a pin. Cool. That's good for the Hodge. Yeah. It's probably closer to that second one. I think for me, like you're talking about goals and there's two types of goals. And I think I'm more of the second one. The first guy might be like, I want to win the NCAA tournament. I want to get four pins during the tournament. And I want the Hodge trophy at the end of the year. And I want to you know, bonus point, everyone I wrestle. That's one way to look at it. And yeah. it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. The way that I look at it more is it's like, I want to have a really good single leg. I want to be really good on top. I want to get out from everybody very quickly. And I want to have great shutdown defense. No one touches my legs. No one scores on me. And it's like, well, what's that going to do? It might get me those things that the other guy is describing. It's just a little bit more process oriented because it's more... It's less quantifiable, but for me, it makes more sense because it's like, well, what happens if the guy doesn't roll over and let me pin him or I'm not ripping? You know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. it doesn't work that way. But if I can look back and be like, man, my single leg is so much better than it was at the start of the season. And wow, like, you know, those things are all better than they were. And I'm going to call that a successful year. And a lot of times that's going to get me to where I want to get to. It doesn't always, it hasn't always, but that's, you know, you got to live and die with how you live and die. That's where I'm living and dying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I think the fun clip is the, I want the Hodge. I want the Hodge, of course. But yeah. I think that's the mature answer is looking at the bigger goals. And if you're from an outsider perspective, if you're just chasing something like a Hodge and let's say you're taking shots because you want to get a pin and then you lose because you're strictly looking for a pin, it can hurt you. And some of these things can get in people's heads. And it's like, you didn't just focus. It, it's the classic, like, in any sport, it's the classic look ahead analogy. Like yeah. you're looking ahead to the next opponent and you lose to somebody you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, you know, we're talking about the Hodge. I haven't actually put a Cornell single on yet this year. So yeah. But like, if there's a Hodge front runner list, it's like Spencer, it's you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred Or you then Spencer. I'm not saying one of you yeah, is yeah, one yeah, or yeah. two, but. No, I know what you're saying. I guess just for me, it's going to be a day by day thing where, you know, maybe we wrestle Wisconsin and I get a pin and I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Maybe we're a little closer than we were before. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm not going to be going into that match thinking like I have to pin Austin Gomez or I'm not getting the Hodge. Because yeah. that's exactly how the mighty fall, you know? 
Yep. Pride comes and, before fall. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I never want to, and I don't want to, again, I, it's like there were these boring answers, but I really do want to make it about the wrestling as much as I yeah. can. It's just like, that's what feels right. It, it feels wrong to sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to be the best guy and hit everybody. It just doesn't, doesn't sit right to say that. Yeah. I think it's a mature, mature approach. I want to talk a couple off the mat things before I let you go. Let's talk about Kyle Dake is leaving Ithaca. He's going to the NLWC. And when I asked people for any questions you have for Yanni, the first six questions were, when is he going to the NLWC? And even in my offline conversations with people on Twitter, I have said, you are a Mike Gray guy. And unless Mike Gray goes to the Nittany Line Wrestling Club, you have no intention to ever leave Ithaca. But because the people want want the question, there's the question for you. Yeah, and, I, you know, I don't want to – I don't want it to seem like I'm bashing Kyle. I'm not. You know, what he did, he did for his family. It was what he thought was best for his, his girls and everything, you know, so that's what's important for him. Yeah. But, you know, I just – this is where I feel like I should be. They got me to this point. I haven't gotten the most that I can possibly get out of it. It's not like, well, there's nothing left for me here. You know, these people got me to where I am. You know, they've done a lot for me and I'm far from my upper limit. I think yep. at least. So 100%. I, and you know, are they, are they doing things at Penn state? Yeah. They're, they're having a lot of success, but you know, I I don't believe in getting big and then leaving the place that got you big. You know, it's not like I have any reason to leave Cornell. You know, they take really good care of me and they give me everything that I need. And it's the place that I've been succeeding at and continuously improving year by year. So I don't have a reason to leave. And, you know, that's how I feel it's and it's not a if Cornell offered me a number and Penn State offered me double the number I, it's not it's not a quantifiable thing it's not like that would make me leave yeah. it's just this is where I need to be I feel and this is where I'm taken care of and where I'm a priority and it's, it's, it's a family environment you know I think you're also Willie and I talked about it on his shows earlier today I think you're seeing money as a factor more on, on NIL I think people don't understand that I think you ain't leaving Cornell, but I think you there'd be a bigger shot of a college getting you saying Yanni will offer you X versus an RTC. I don't think a lot of these RTC decisions, you know, we were talking about like Snyder to the NLWC or Gilman or whatever. Yeah, they're not they, money moves. No, they're not money moves. A lot of them is just, you know, if you have, right. yeah, like you said, Kyle did that for what he thought was best for his family. And so I, I don't think it's a money thing. I also don't think a lot of RTCs are overtly reaching out to athletes and trying to poach them. I think there's so many training environments where people are together and it's like, Oh, what's that like? Or they're training together and they like it. Um, yeah. And I mean, Kyle, you know, he, he was, it's not like Penn state called him up and he left, you know I mean? He, right. had been, he trained there on occasion, you know, every couple months or whatever. And just 
it's it wasn't like this out of the blue thing like yeah. when he told our team it wasn't like we had no idea where that came from you right. know what i mean and in the same way it's not like kale sanderson's calling me to be like hey i want you to move to penn state because it, it's just it's not like i i don't know i don't know those guys that well you know what i mean yeah. I, it's not like they've worked with me in a coach environment coaching environment you know yeah. it's just it's different it's different it might be an odd question, but with Dake leaving and you having the success you have both in college and already internationally, do you feel like the face of Ithaca, you know, whether you're talking Spartan Combat RTC or you're talking Cornell Wrestling, do you feel like you're moving into the position of being the face of all that? Because it seems like it, like watching it, like the guys with the most success are typically the face of the program, right? Yeah, I mean, if you ask Kyle, he would tell you. He'd be like, oh, you're the golden boy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, he likes to <laughs> those jokes. But, you know, maybe. I, yeah, I don't – It's maybe. I've never thought about – I've never thought about it like I'm the guy. Even yeah. if – you know what? Do I get more attention or priority than other people? Like, yeah, probably. It's not like I'm going to sit here and tell you that. But not even not even just the tension, like from let's say, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in the video of Burroughs was about when you were making the decision for college, Dake and his success was a part of what led you to Cornell. I got to believe that the next round of recruits at Cornell are looking at you and seeing, look what Yanni is doing internationally in college. Yeah, and that's no. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because. It's just like, well, you know, kids have goals and they want to go to a place where they feel like there's someone there that can help them get there. And, yeah. you know, the kid's thinking about Cornell and they're like, well, can I do well here? Well, look at what this kid's doing. Yeah, I can do well here. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I'm sure that's part of it. I think, too, you know, that there's this, if you didn't think, now you know, I'm going to be around. Because that was another thing when I was making my decision. It was like, I knew Kyle was going to be there for at least a chunk of my college career. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we have a kid who's a junior in high school where it's like, maybe he won't be my teammate necessarily, but he's going to be in the room with me, be around me. I'll be a resource to them. I'm sure that's the kind of things they think about. And is it universal? No. You know, if a heavyweight's making that call, he's probably looking to quiz more than he might look to me. But I think, you know, if you have a middleweight sized guy, who's like, Oh, where should I go? You know, Cornell or this other place. He's like, well, I, I have Yanni in the room to wrestle with and learn from and train with. You know, maybe I should go there. I, I definitely think that that happens. Yeah, and I want to talk about something a bit more off the map, but it's kind of on the mat. Very sneaky, sneaky Yanni D move at the World Championships, the shoes you're wearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what can you tell, tell us about him? I'm going to be his... Uh, mysterious as possible i'm a very mysterious guy <laughs> i love when wrestlers like don't they this is the quintessential wrestling sneaky move you post something on your instagram with a tidbit in it you don't mention it in the post and then a couple days later in the story by the way what do you think what do you this? think of this? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean obviously i think they're great but all i'm gonna say um spartan and i are doing a shoe it's very similar to a shoe that I wore, used to wear all the time, if you can put two and two together, that are really popular right now. And obviously, I like mine better. <laughs> um, 
you know, but to, jokes aside, I had a, I had a pretty uh, key role in the shoe process. You know, I got to be, they let me be very involved with the, the, the mold, the weight, the texture, the sole, all that stuff. I was very involved. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be happier with the final product. Um, there's going to be a couple of different colorways and uh, there's one exciting thing that I'm not going to talk about, but there's an exciting thing that comes with it. I don't want to say it because it's going to take away from the excitement, but okay, there's gonna be a couple fair. different colorways and there's going to be an exciting thing. And if you like those ASICs that are very popular right now, these are the shoes for you. They're, they're the biggest thing. So that we talked about was those ASICs, like you can't really train in them. They kind of fall apart and it's, I'm not, I don't want it to be like I'm dogging on those ASIC shoes right now, but it's just that that's what happens. If you train them too much, they kind of fall apart. So these, we made them a little more durable, a little sturdier, but it's the same feel that really light thin shoe. We just made some quality improvements that make them last a little bit better. At least from my experience, you know, cause I've been training them for a while. Yeah. And I think that they'll, they'll, uh, I, I really, I really like them. Not, not being like, please buy my shoes. I, I do really like them. Yeah, and I was involved with, with the Scrap Life shoe design, and I remember where we were at when somebody could actively train in them. So I know for you, you're getting close. Yeah, and I'm also... Like a couple months. I'm yes. also glad to hear of how much... I know as soon as somebody starts talking molds and design that they were actually involved, because sometimes you see somebody get a shoe, but it's like, we're going to put your logo on the side of this, sell as many as you can. Here's a dollar a shoe or whatever the case may be. Yeah, but it yeah. sounds like you were very actively involved. Like if it's going to be something with my name, my brand, like I yeah. want it to be. No. So this was my, even before I had signed with Spartan, they had talked to me like, Hey, we want to figure out how to do the shoe. Could you help us? And like, uh, there's nothing in it for me because I had no contract. There's no NIL back yeah. then. But I was like, yeah, if you guys can make a shoe, that's way better than me having to buy them from Japan and wait two and a half months. If I can just get them in, in a month from, from them or and it'll be cheaper. You know what I mean? All those things. So I kind of was helping them. And then the NIL stuff came out. And I had like, and I, I had a pretty good idea that I, I was going to end up with Spartan just because of how tightly knit they are with Cornell. Yeah. So when I signed that contract, they were like, hey, well, we want to do a shoe you've been helping us. Can we, can, do you want to do this shoe? And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. Because I, I love those shoes. They're like my, like it's the same with Vito Arusha. Like we are big on those shoes. They're just very comfortable. That it's the right shoe. You know what I mean? So I, I've been involved in that process basically since they had the idea. I sent them a pair of mine that they could like tear apart and work on all those things. So it, it's cool too, because I got to be involved when I had nothing to gain from it. And it was kind of just like a, a cool, exciting thing to be a part of a shoe. And then once I was involved, it was even more because it's like, oh, my name gets to go on these. Yeah. And then I I felt like even more attachment to doing a good job because it's like, if I'm going to put my name on something, I want it to be very high quality. And yeah. again, I don't want to like set it up to, for failure, like we were talking about earlier, but I, I do really like what we're finishing with. I think it's going to be a really high quality shoe. And I want to talk to you. It's kind of a good segue into the one of the last one of the last topics. You signed with a sports agency, which I think is awesome. I want to talk about that. I'm curious as you sign with a sports agency, as you have a shoe deal lingering, how much are you thinking about that? And how are you balancing 
obviously the more success you have, the better brand deals are. The, yeah. the more success you have, the more shoes sell, the more this, the more. How much are you balancing that? Especially because you know, and this is one of the things I love about NIL, your shoe is going to basically be ready in time for NCAA season. And we talk about your motivation for the NCAA season. And obviously that's something in the back of my mind, like any wrestler who can get a shoe deal in college. And now, and this is unprecedented. I don't think this has ever happened before. Like this is, this is new. So there's not that many case studies on there's not that much you can look at, but for you, you know, the more success, the better you talk about going out there, throwing Gomez in the first round, getting it in the first match, getting a pin, like those kinds of things build excitement. And even from a youth perspective, I think that's how like new fans happen where it's like, they don't really care what you just did at the world's getting a medal. They care that you did a cool throw. And yeah. that leads to a kid saying, I want that. How are you balancing and how are you planning on balancing, not putting too much pressure on yourself, but realizing that the more success you have, the better everything will be. So that's what I really appreciate about the Iridium guys. So my guy that I work with most of the time is Pete Lapari. He wrestled at Rutgers and I actually okay. wrestled with him at the NCAA tournament and he's been awesome. But the big thing that he talked to me about that was a huge factor in my decision was that he was like, listen, your job is not to be social media highlight making cool. Like we, we do that. Yep. We, and I appreciate that because it just felt like they understood what I wanted. Before I told him, yep. it's like, so he talks to me, he's like, Hey, try to get this post out this week, you know, Hey, send me some pictures from the tournament. And, you know, we, I'll help you come up with some ideas. Hey, you know, I'm talking to this brand. Is that something you'd be interested in? Do you like those guys? You know, this is kind of what they stand for. And I like that because it takes things off my plate. And yep. that's my goal with, with any of those things, those NIL deals is I just want less things to distract me from wrestling. And I, I get that like the shoe is obviously a big distraction, but that's something I, I enjoy it. Like it would be a passion project for me. If I wasn't getting paid for it, I would still want to be involved, yeah. in it, which I would. Like it, it's something I really enjoy like that kind of stuff. But what I appreciate about the guys at Iridium was that like, they understood they're like, Hey, we get it. You don't need to do all these things. You don't need to count how many times in a week you're posting and, what kind of content you're getting. Like, it's not your job. It's our job. Yep. So that was like a really big thing that I appreciate for him or I appreciated that they did for me. And then kind of on the flip side, going through the season, it's like, just focus on wrestling. I'm going to lean on those guys to be like, Hey, that was a really cool throw. You hit, just try to get a video of that, get it out. So people can see it, stuff like that. Yep. So this way it's like, I trust that they're doing a good job so that I can focus on doing you know, my job basically. Yeah. And that's such a crucial thing for anybody listening. Who's either coming up and could potentially get these deals or anybody listening that I'm always blown away by how many people listen to this that are like really good wrestlers. Like every time David Carr texts me about an episode, I'm blown away that like a guy of your guys caliper listened to this. And, and I kind of forget that, but it's like, it's such a good reminder for good wrestlers at any age and any level to partner up with the right people and i know you and you don't just take like oh this company offered me x money to post about their product okay i'll take it like you really look into products and you do not align with anybody that is not your across the board aligns with your values and what you think yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, the, the word is sellout and I don't want to call other people sellouts, but I don't ever want to feel like I am selling out. And yeah. you know, is it diff- it's, it's different. You know, I mean, I, my, my fam- my parents take care of me, you know, it's, it's a different situation than other people who maybe, you know, are, they need to take those kinds of deals. And it's like, you know, they shouldn't be shamed for that. It's not their job. You know what I mean? It's their job. It's their job. Whatever you need to do to take care of yourself and your family is what you got to do. But for me, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where, you know, the Spartan deal is really good. I'd like to think I'm, I'm going to get good support from my club when I graduate. And hopefully I keep meddling in these world championships where, you know, I can be selective and choose brands that align with things I believe or are the right kind of people. And I have that luxury, which is awesome. But I, because of that, I, I want to take advantage of it, you know, and then do the right thing. I also think, too, that if anybody's listening, they took a bad brand deal and they didn't know about it. I'm not condemning anybody because there are situations where you you guys are so young taking these deals. And whether it's somebody telling you, hey, this is a good deal for you, or you just not knowing, it is hard. And I think it is just as important that if you get involved in a deal and it does and it does go south, walk away from it. Like you don't, it is impossible to read everything properly. I get I get in business with clients. I'm 14 years in. I get in business with somebody and I realize they're a bad person. This I'm out. Like it's not too late to walk away. And like you said, you don't want to use the word sellout because I think a lot of these kids, especially, are not just pouring themselves out or being a sellout it's legitimately you think what somebody's telling you is honesty and it just turns out that it's not yeah and i and you know and that's the other thing that i'm glad you know i i've been lucky where the people i've worked with are all good people so it's not a problem but i'm glad that i have you know these guys that i think at least they're in my corner hopefully <laughs> no, listen, and, I and they're like, you know, they're, they can sift through those kind of things and be like, hey, you know, we don't, you, you don't want to work with these kind of people there, there, whatever, you know, and they can, they can do that for me because I, you know, I'm young. I, it hasn't even been a full year or it's just been over a year of this NIL stuff. It's impossible for me to have the kind of experience in the field like that, where I can, you know, know which guys are trying to scam me or take advantage of me or whatever. But that's why, you know, that's why you have those guys. And at first, I thought, you know, the whole agent situation was, you know, you don't need that because you just want it because it's cool. It's cool to say that you have an agent. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But I do think, you know, I'm sure at some point in my career, even if it was once where they were like, hey, listen, you don't want to do that. It's not going to be the best thing for you. If they're right one time my whole wrestling career, yep. then I feel like it was worth it because who knows what could have been at risk. Yeah, and it also snowballs. Like, I'm not saying this to to bring me into it, but Bass Solutions is obviously one of your sponsors. And I remember getting a text from somebody who saw your tweet where you're tagging everybody you're involved with after the World Championships, like right away. Like, before I could even see it, somebody texted me like, dude, this kid's only 20 years old and he like has the the intelligence to be like, hey, thank you to my sponsors, tagging everybody and showing them. And it's like, the more passionate you are about who you're in business with and who's behind you, the more excited you are to do the right things. Because it's a, it's a true thank you. You know, I mean, yeah. you're you're actually grateful for what they've done, versus yeah. just the generic, oh, you know, thank you to the people who pay me. And it's, yeah. it's like I don't want it to be like you're you're bad for making money because that's stupid. It's yeah. how you. Live. It's just I I want to I want the people who pay me to be people who 
I I am glad that I'm aligned with It's the best way I can say it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, last question. I'm going to let you go. If you had a dream sponsor, who is it? I'm very curious on this. I was actually going to text you earlier. If you had a dream sponsor, who is it? I don't know. So like the, there's one that came into my head <laughs> and it's like a bad answer. <laughs> but like, so like, like Spartan is a huge brand, but like, I feel like it's tough because my whole brand or whatever is like, I'm, I try to be healthy and make the right decisions and all these things. Yeah. I like love Reese's peanut butter cups. Like it's my guilty <laughs> pleasure. And I never really eat them anymore because I'm so on this diet. Like Frank's going to be listening to this and be like, you're such an idiot. (laughs) I don't even eat them anymore. But like, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. I love them. They're my favorite candy. It's free advertising. I don't care. It's my favorite candy. Oh, they're the best. I don't eat anymore. I think if you don't like Reese's, you're... Do you prefer standard Reese's cups or the eggs? So there's something special about the egg. I don't know what they do that makes it taste better, <laughs> but the Reese's cup is like, it's just too iconic. It's yeah. like, it's like when you get, you know, there's all those different variations of Coca-Cola, yeah. but like the original Coke is still just, it's too iconic to beat it. That's how I feel about a Reese's peanut butter cup. I feel like it's regional too, to a degree, like number one candy, like here yeah. in Rochester, where we're both from and stuff. Like, I feel like Reese's is like it's the king. The- it's not oh. like if you go to some like random place in New Jersey, you're going to have a collective of people who pull 100 of them. 70 are going to say the same candy. I feel like Rochester is like Reese's like the eggs come out. Like the Christmas trees come out. Football game. There's like the generic Hershey's bar that everyone always has with whatever. There's airheads and Reese's peanut butter cups are like yep. the three candies. You see <laughs> Yeah, no, Reese's are hands down. But the cool thing for you is like in your agents have a a big job ahead of them because the biggest, and I'm not saying this to add pressure to you, but the biggest like opportunity for sponsors typically is in Olympic years. Yeah. So leading up and like Willie and I were talking about how 2023 for us is usually like the best out of a quad. You have 10 weights. You start have you start seeing where people are going different yeah, ways. Yeah, start moving into the new ways. Yeah, like it's a super fun year, and so this next year for you, you get the opportunity to become a four time NCAA champion. The Hodge race you're in, all these things, making another world team. Like you're set up to get those sponsors, and it's super cool because I've watched like working with Burroughs for the last decade and seeing him like knowing Jordan as long as I have and then watching him evolve to like representing Ralph Lauren and, and Shabani yogurt. And these companies is so cool for like somebody who's a friend, just like an everyday guy, wrestler, whatever yeah. to get like that caliper of sponsors. So I hope you get Reese's. One actually last question. I just thought of, I, I made a post of you and Zane at final X in 2019. How cool was it for you that here you're battling somebody in 2019. Now you're both at different weights, both meddling. Like that's pretty cool for me. Like, was that pretty cool for you? No, I mean, it definitely, it's classic, like cliche of, you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. That was a pretty heated year between us from the open to that special wrestle off. Yeah. Like it was even getting ready the following year for the Olympic year. 
like, you know, putting a little extra on Zane, thinking yeah. about him a little extra. So, you know, I think he, he pushed me a lot as a competitor. Um, you know, the struggles that he gave me in matches that I had to go back and fix and address, I think helped me develop, you know, when it came time for the world championships and stuff. So inadvertently, I think we made each other better. I don't know if I would ever be like, Hey, thanks for beating me. But <laughs> yeah, no, I think especially but, now as you guys are both still in the thick of it, the yeah. fact that like you guys could wrestle again for a 2024 Olympic team, you know, like, but it is cool to see. I think like you look at Burroughs, Dakin Taylor, all winning a gold. Yeah, it's cool all- to see that level of depth. I don't think any of them, maybe Dakin Taylor now, but like, None of them are all buddy buddy together, but I think there's a level of respect. Like, man, hey, yeah, the guy like, who beat I acknowledge me. that because of what I had to do to figure out how to beat you, I got better. Yeah. And, but we call it wrestling capitalism. That's a classic wrestling capitalism example where it's like, you get a little better, I get a little better. And we keep doing this because I want to beat you and you want to beat me. Yeah. And inadvertently, that arms race that we had got us to the world finals. And, yeah. you know, a little, little, little bit more gonna get gonna get me and maybe him to to you know where where we want to be and usa is at such a level of crazy depth right now where it's almost harder to make the usa team than anything after that and if you figure like you start talking 2024 when it's like you and zane now both world silver medalists could wrestle each other you talk about dake and burrows or if burrows went up and burrows and taylor like the level of the level of talent and accomplishments within the u.s it's crazy. Yeah. And that Olympic year, there's going to be a lot of really, really high quality guys left home. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. Like it, it's almost like, I mean, from a marketing perspective, cause that's my, that's always like in the corner of my, my mind, like marketing that it, like and we you're need have to multiple world champs sitting on the bench. Yeah. It's crazy. That's, and and, that's and multiple good. time, multiple time world champs sitting on the bench. Like, I mean, yo, I mean, yeah, like if Burroughs drops 74 kilo, that's 11 world titles between the two of them, world and Olympic titles, and one of them is not going. Same like, with like what's Jaden Taylor or Jaden Snyder. Right. Jaden's got two or three and a ton of medals to Snyder's. Couple, couple world titles. I think he's got four or five. It's a lot of hardware not going. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And I mean, Dayton's a world silver medalist, right? Yes. So you figure Gilman, let's just say it's Gilman Fix. There's world medalist, world medalist. Let's say it's Usain, world medalist, world medalist. Dake Burroughs, world medalist, world medalist. Like yeah. Taylor and whoever, you know, like crazy. Crazy, crazy. All right, Yanni, I kept you longer and we still have other things to talk about off the air. So I'm going to let you go. Any final words before I do? No, I just, you know, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm excited for World Cup. Be on my workout next couple months for the shoe. And, you know, I'm excited for, to make some new developments on my wrestling. Yeah. And also, I, I, Really didn't think about how exciting you versus Austin is to kick off the NCAA season. I'm pumped yeah, for that. He gets after it, man. He goes hard. Yeah, he he takes shots. He does he does not back down. So that's gonna be awesome. All right, man. I will let you go and I will talk to you in a few minutes. <laughs> All right, see you. And the beat goes on.